welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Worship Him tonight all across this building. Come on, however you feel led right now in the Holy Ghost, why don't we just give Him some worship tonight? It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. There is no one who is like our God. beautiful day started with a baby dedication a little Montgomery this morning brother Bobby preached a powerful message somebody got baptized in the only saving name of Jesus got to celebrate pastor's birthday some of you may not know he's been pastored for close to four decades he was 24 when he started pastoring this church and the faithfulness and consistency that he has demonstrated along the way. How many is thankful for our pastor tonight? Amen, amen, amen. Amos chapter 8, starting in verse 7. The Lord had sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account, and everyone mourn who dwells in it, and all of it rise like the Nile, and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? And on that day, declares the Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon, and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all of your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist, and boldness on every head. I will make it like the morning. For an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. Verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord. They shall not find it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who 
hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall, everybody say shall, for they shall be filled. Amen. I want to read something I, I came across, to, if you'll just stand for a moment longer, came across a post from a pastor and just wanted to summarize it for us before we dive in tonight. It said on February 5th, Sam Smith had performed a song titled Unholy at the Grammys. And prior to his performance, the singer tweeted, this is going to be special. And he followed that up with a devil emoji. CBS responded by tweeting, you can say that again. We are ready to worship. And for five minutes on the Grammys, Satan was worshipped with the world as his audience. But just three days later, Brother Howard, three days, on February 8th in a ordinary chapel service on a small college campus, a revival began that would capture the attention of the world and it would be longer than five minutes. For nearly two weeks, the world would watch as a revival broke out at Asbury University. There is a word that has gripped my spirit the past week. And that word is hunger. The world is hungry. They have eaten from the table of the enemy and found themselves still searching. From the beginning in Genesis 3, we find the devil tempting humanity with rebellion. And there has been a continual war for our appetite. And even now, we understand that we are in a war between flesh and spirit. A war for our spiritual appetite. But tonight we proclaim, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. One translation reads, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. So with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'd like to preach from this title, Don't Spoil Your Appetite. Would you pray with me in the name of Jesus? We come together tonight, Father, thanking you for what we feel in this place. I ask right now, God, that your anointing would rest upon me. Lord, guide my mind, guide my lips. Help me to speak with clarity what you've laid on my heart. I pray, Lord, that our hearts and our minds would be open and ready to receive what the Spirit is saying to the church. Help us, God, not just to be hearers of the Word, but that we would be doers of the Word also. I pray that we would not just be stirred, but that an appetite for the kingdom of God would begin to rise up in our spirit tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And if you agree with me, would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Noah, growing up, there was... Brother Bobby, there was nothing like going and spending the night at my Mamaw Gray's. 
it, it wasn't as though I was deprived, Brother Howard, at home. But I knew when I went to mammals, I could eat whatever I wanted. Anybody thankful for grandparents? Amen. I could drink as much pop as I wanted to drink. I could go and get popcorn, snack cakes, ice, whatever I wanted. And so I understood that going to Mamaw's house meant I could indulge in my appetite. You know, as I got older, I, I realized it was pretty, it was pretty natural for my Mamaw to, to be a snacker. And uh, much like me, she didn't like big meals. She, she didn't like going, and, going to dinner and sitting and eating this big thing. She, she liked to snack. Little here, little there. It was not uncommon, Elder, for me to walk down into my mamma and grandpa's condo, find my grandpa Tom eating a bowl of ice cream, and my mamma with a box of Cheez-Its in her lap. You know, there's a, a label for this type of eating pattern. It's called grazing. You know, gra- grazing is... is characterizes the repetitive eating of small or modest amounts of food in an unplanned manner throughout a period of time and not really in response to hunger. And so when I look at this concept of grazing, I realize that the problem was not that my mammal Gray didn't have an appetite. It's that whenever she did get a little hungry or a little bored... There was always a snack within arm's reach. When it came time to eat the good stuff, it was time to sit down and eat the meals that would offer strength and nutrients to her frail body. She couldn't eat because mammal had spoiled her appetite. Stand here tonight under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Realizing that the church, the the larger church, is hungry. We're just hungry for the wrong things. You know, I I used to think I I would freak out because people would be like, are you going to only preach 10 minutes when I first started preaching, Brother Bobby? And then, I guess as I got older and started balding, I got long-winded. So then they're like, oh my God, Tyler's preaching? Never mind. So I really, I really thought, I'm like, you know, we have, we have an attention problem. But the truth is, Brother Doug, we don't have an attention problem. We have an appetite problem. Which is why we can watch Netflix so long that the TV asks, are you still watching? When's the last time we had our Bibles open so long that God asked with excitement, are are you still reading? When was the last time we got lost in prayer that the clock actually didn't matter? You think about it when you're having a conversation. You ever had a conversation with somebody? And uh, I like to try and read body language and stuff. And so you're, you're, and they just are not interested in your conversation. They keep like checking the watch and like looking away and Right? And uh, that's pretty rude, right? And so uh, what do you think God feels when, when we go to pray? When we hit our knees, we're like, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. You think he he gets enjoyment from that type of communion? That type of fellowship with the creator of the universe? See, it's not that deep down within us. We don't realize that there's this concern for the day and hour in which we live. We see it on, on the news, see it on Facebook. We understand the grave reality of a lost world that depends on us as the body of Christ to respond to their needs. And I believe deep down inside of every Holy Ghost filled believer there is an awareness of the type of hunger required to see God move in our midst in a way that we've never experienced before. When those hunger pangs for the things of God begin rumbling inside. It's so easy to reach for our cell phones because the numbing effects of a quick dopamine hit provide enough relief until the burden lifts from within us. Instead of finding that place of prayer where we respond to the call of God and the burden that he's put on us, we allow ourselves to graze throughout the days And weeks and months and years. And then we look around and say, I wonder where that revival is supposed to be. We find in Psalm 42, deep calls to deep. At the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. There is a depth that God wants to take this church. He wants the depth of his love to connect with the depth of our soul. But before we can ever go deep, we first must get hungry. In our opening passage tonight, get a small book called Amos. Amos, don't preach from it very much, especially as Pentecostals, for whatever reason, we don't take a lot from Amos. And I understand that Amos was speaking a specific message to a certain people at a certain time in history. We see that Amos is addressing the northern kingdom of Israel. And at this point, northern Israel had separated from southern Judah about 150 years before. And so Amos, just a shepherd and a fig tree farmer feels a call to address the northern kingdom of Israel, warning them to stop their idolatry and the worship of foreign gods. It is in this context that the prophet Amos warns Israel of coming judgment. Now King Jeroboam of Israel, he had had won lots of battles over the course of his reign. That fragmented nation had accumulated some wealth. But what we find is that their abundance led to apathy. They began mistreating the vulnerable. The poor were abused in a system of injustice. In fact, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., quoting from Amos 5, 24, he said, We will not be satisfied until justice like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. God's always intended His people to pursue justice amongst themselves. And yet in Amos we find a kingdom that is too concerned with themselves that they no longer have an appetite for righteousness. 
See, they had fooled themselves into thinking that their religious programs and rituals could justify their inactivity and lack of an appetite for God. And in Amos 8, we find the prophet's vision of a time when the people would experience a famine. Verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They were heading for hunger. And in those days, they would desire a sure word from God. In fact, Scripture tells us they would desperately seek it. Verse 12, they're going to wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. It sounds like our world today. You see, people, they get entangled with the things of this life because they are hungry for something. The problem is that they have developed an appetite for sin. And so when they feel that hunger, they search far and wide for the next relationship that will satisfy them. They search all over and see how they can improve their image and get more followers on Instagram. What are they doing? They're, they're fulfilling the words of verse 12. They're going to and fro. Make no mistake, they are seeking a word from the Lord. The problem is that the word they get brings conviction instead of comfort. Is is this okay tonight? Now, in this immediate context, Amos is referring to the period of silence leading up to the time of Christ. See, God would eventually speak a word to cure their famine. We find that in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. They were hungry for the words of God. He didn't just provide any words from any prophet. He provided the Word, His Word, the Word of God. Anybody thankful you know who the Word of God is? Anybody thankful you know the Word was made flesh and dwelt among them and we beheld His glory? How many thankful you've got an encounter with the Word? See, but the religious folk of Jesus' day, they they didn't want the Word. They wanted their ritual. They wanted their temple. They wanted their routine. So they lived in a self-imposed spiritual famine. Because their appetite was misplaced. And though Amos is writing about a spiritual famine before the time of Christ. I believe this prophetic writing addresses our current state of affairs tonight. There is a famine in the land. There is a hunger in our world. But unlike Amos, we can look to Jesus and say God is not silent. See, Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. The world is starving for a word. 
it's not because the word of God is silent. God has spoken. But in these last days, he's spoken a sure word. So tonight we come together in a world that is starving spiritually. And we boldly proclaim, you don't have to starve for God's words any longer. Because when you've got Jesus, you've got everything you need. Can I tell you, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. When the world is hungry, we don't have to placate to their sensibilities. We don't have to make it culturally relevant. We just got to say, we've got Jesus. I know you're hungry, but I've got the answer. I know you're looking for something. Can I point you to Jesus? If you believe that, clap your hands unto Jesus tonight. Matthew 4, we find Jesus. Matthew 4, 1 through 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness. And in verse 3 it says, And the tempter came to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Matthew says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Did you know that every wilderness you're in is not because the devil put you there? Can we see that in Scripture tonight? The Spirit led him. We need to catch that. Just because I am in a wilderness does not mean that I'm not where God wants me to be. Because watch what the wilderness produces. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. See, sometimes you're in a wilderness because God wants you to get hungry. You get so caught up in other things and and you're doing this and you're doing that. And he's like, I just, you don't have an appetite for me. So I'm going to have to put you in an environment where you will start craving my presence. The wilderness produces hunger. There are some moments in our life we need to understand that God, God is drawing us to a wilderness. Not because it's a good excuse to get away from people. Not because we're holier than anybody else. But because God needs you in isolation for a moment so that he can allow you to feel hungry again. Amen. Now this is is so cool. This is why I love the Bible. Because in, in Matthew 4, Jesus is actually operating as the new Israel. He is redeeming the Old Testament Israel's time in the wilderness. How many remembers Old Testament Israel? 40 years in the wilderness. And here's what we find. Their biggest issue that they faced in the wilderness, the wilderness was an uncontrollable appetite. In Numbers 11, we, f- we find starting in verse 4. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our strength is dried up. There's nothing at all but this manna to look at. See, just because you leave Egypt doesn't mean your appetite changes all of a sudden. 
Just because we're no longer in the world doesn't mean we don't have worldly cravings. I believe, listen, I believe in the supernatural power of deliverance. I believe that God can take the addict's craving complete, in a moment completely away. I, I, somebody that's addicted to drugs and alcohol, God can, can give them a breakthrough in a moment. We believe that tonight, that there's power through the name of Jesus to break chains of addiction. And I also believe that Christians experience a war between flesh and spirit. And that we will experience the cravings of carnality. If we aren't careful, we can fool ourselves into thinking that our place on the pew is proof that we are hungry for the right things. But Jesus steps on the scene and he, he redeems what Israel could not do. He overcomes the lust of the flesh. But this is important to note. Je you know, Jesus, he was God in the flesh, but his hunger was real. He was really hungry. I mean, I can only imagine how I feel after skipping breakfast. He went 40 days. Real hunger. But his hunger to obey the will of the Father was stronger than his hunger for bread. And the enemy comes in in this moment of hunger and tries to convince him that immediately satisfying the flesh was his answer. How does Jesus respond to this temptation? It is written. It is written. Think about that for a moment, that in his moment of hunger, when he was starving, he said, it is written. What would happen if we started responding to the enemy the same way? When he came in and he enticed us with the things of the world and we said, it is written. Is there anybody that still believes there's power in the word of God. Do we believe that? Come on. For the word of God is quick and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Joint morrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so the enemy comes in and tries to convince you. That a life of flesh is worth consideration. But you come back with Romans 8 and you say, no, 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 no. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. He tells you that a little sin won't matter. It's not like anyone would ever know. But you come back and say, it is written. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to desire to gratify the desires come on is there anybody that is thankful that there's power in the word of God tonight come on now 
that church you go to, they're, they're just a little too legalistic. You, you don't need to be so different. You have a little fun. Cut loose, but you rise up with boldness under the power of the Holy Ghost and proclaim, it is written. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many be there that find it. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few be there that find anybody thankful you know that there's a straight narrow way and I don't care how easy the other path is I've got to get to Jesus clap your hands all across this place if you're thankful tonight so Jesus shows us that when you're hungry for the right things you won't settle for substitutes. If you're the son of God, just turn these stones into bread. See, it's those times of hunger. It is those moments in the wilderness when you're all alone and you feel like your strength is fading. And it's those times that the enemy comes and offers a quick alternative. And so many Christians, we end up settling for stones. We take the momentary pleasure and turn the stones into something we can consume. See, the world settles for stones of cheap relationship, uncommitted intimacy, when the hunger of loneliness comes. The world settles for stones of consumerism when the hunger of inadequacy comes. And when the, the hunger for meaningful relationships and meaningful connection comes knocking, the world settles for stones of surface-level relationships on the internet. But Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, makes it abundantly clear he doesn't need to turn stones into bread. Why? Because he is the bread. He didn't need to look externally for something that he already had internally. And that's why John recorded those words of Jesus. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, stones? You think I'm going to settle for a cheap substitute when I've got the real thing down inside of me? I wonder what would happen if believers, we had that same mentality. I don't need to turn stones into bread. Because I've got the real bread living inside of me. If you are a born again believer and the spirit of God resides in your physical temple you better wake up and realize when hunger comes you don't have to go to an outside source. When you're hungry you don't have to get nourishment from the world because at the end of the day that boyfriend or girlfriend won't fill you. That career won't fill you. That hobby won't fill you. That degree won't fill you. That promotion 
emotion won't fill you. That addiction won't fill you. There's only one that can fill you. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow rivers, rivers, rivers of living water. Are you thankful tonight that you've got that spirit in you? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The question is not, will God do it? The question is, are you hungry? See, in the Gospels, we find examples time after time. Jesus performing miracles. But the cool thing is, when you start looking at them, Jesus is only responding to those who are hungry. That's why he couldn't do anything in his hometown. They weren't hungry. They got too comfortable with his presence. Think about the feeding of the 5,000, Brother Howard. What was the prerequisite for that miracle? Somebody had to be hungry. Not just somebody, somebodies. Sometimes you have to get hungry before you get your miracle. Sometimes we just, we just kick against the wall, man. Why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God doing this? I'm praying, I'm praying. You're not hungry. Because when God doesn't respond in the time frame you think he should respond, you get impatient and your appetite changes. So we go back to the TV and we go back to the video games and we go back to the busy schedules and all of a sudden months go by and we're like, why isn't God, why isn't God responding? I hope you guys, I'm preaching to myself tonight. I hope I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm preaching to me. We've got to get hungry. We've got to get hungry. Think about, think about blind Bartimaeus. Think about what would have happened if he allowed the appetite of others to dictate what he was going to allow Jesus to do in his life. He'd still be blind. said, Jesus? No, 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 no. The bread of life is here? Oh, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm not letting this guy. I can, I can feel, I can almost taste my miracle. What would happen if instead of waiting for somebody else to give you the green light for you to get hungry, you just started saying, I need it now. I need my miracle now. I can't wait any longer. I'd love for you to get on board, Brother Blackford. But if you won't, guess what? I'm getting what I've come to get. Is there anybody hungry in this place? And you want God to respond. See, see, the woman with the issue of blood was so hungry, she just would settle for the hymn. The hymn, H-E-M. The hymn. But when you're hungry for the hymn, 
H-E-M, you get him. H-I-M. Is there anybody willing to say, guess what? I'm going to push through the crowd. I'm going to make my way through till I can get to him. Because I know if I can just touch the him, if I can just get a little bit of it, I know I can get to Jesus. And if I can get to Jesus, whatever issue I came with will be resolved. If you believe that, clap your hands unto Jesus tonight. Here's the kicker, Brother Howard. See, in Matthew 15, we get this story of a Canaanite woman. She's got a demon-possessed daughter. She's a Gentile, okay? And so Jesus says, I've come to reach the house of Israel. It's not your time yet. And when you're reading it, he calls her a dog. Now, I try and walk in the spirit, Sister Howard. But I'm from Hamilton, so, you know, you call me a dog, you might catch these hands. Calls her a dog. You know what she says, Brother Blackford? Even the dogs get the crumbs. When you're so hungry, you'll settle for just a little crumb. But here's what happens. You ready for it? Here's what happens. We allow offense to to disqualify us from our miracle. Imagine what would have happened if he said, uh, you know, you're you're a dog. And she's rude. She went home to a crazy possessed daughter. That's right. And he said, no, 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 no. She said, even the dogs get the crumbs. See, when you're hungry enough... Even just a few crumbs from the master's table. Even just a little bit. Even just a little bit of crumbs. You, 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 you won't get offended. I, I feel like I'm speaking to somebody tonight. Come on. The enemy is he keeps pushing your buttons. He keeps getting you offended. You go home after church. You're all upset. Pastor didn't shake my hand. I don't like the carpet. I wish we would have had chairs instead of pews. You're getting all upset. And you're disqualifying yourself. From your miracle. It's the truth. You get offended. Get offended. That's, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us offended. We can just get offended with one another. So upset at each other. Did you see how she looked at me? What is who does she think she is? Don't get offended. Look at that woman, Matthew 15. She allowed her hunger to override her offense. And here's, here's what I think. Now, this is just, I'm, I'm just speculating. I think she had a reason to be offended. That was kind of rude. See, sometimes we actually have legitimate reasons to be offended. And God is still calling us not to be offended. Does that make sense? You were hurt. You were wronged. You were betrayed. How will you respond? Will you allow that offense to 
to disqualify you from your miracle. I'm, I, I'm trying to finish up here tonight. A week ago, I went down with Brother, brother Paul, Brother Zach, Sister Kayliana, Brother Landon, Brother Malachi. We went to Asbury University. <clears throat> Made sure it was okay with Pastor. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit skeptical. In fact, I was a bit dismissive. This spiritual outpouring, see, it didn't come with the necessary stamps of approval that I determined it required. So instead of thanking God for what he was doing, I just sneered. Because it wasn't done how I thought it should be done. But after witnessing firsthand what God was and is doing, I left challenged and convicted. Because really, who am I to put God in a box? Who, who am I to invalidate what the Spirit is doing in this end time? And I watched as thousands stood in line, praying with complete strangers, singing songs. Some of them, they weren't even trying to get inside. They just came to worship on the lawn. I watched as college students were dropped off in front of this small college campus. And they rushed to get in the 25 and under line. We stood from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. before we got inside. When we got inside, you know, really the building wasn't shaken. Wasn't a gospel choir, Grammy award winning worship leader. The prize of waiting in this seven hour line was not front row seats to my favorite preacher. Rather it was a few open seats in a balcony of a 200 year old chapel where young adults gather to worship and pray to Jesus. No celebrity culture, no partiality. It wasn't about who was there because these young people already knew who was there. The only one that mattered. If there is one word I could use to describe what I saw, it was hunger. I saw true Hunger. I saw souls hungry for more than the carnality the world had offered them. I saw thousands of young people flock to a small college just to be in the presence of God with others their age. And it would be quick to dismiss what God did if you only saw reports on the news. I know because I did it. Was it just the result of social media? Maybe it's just a bunch of young people getting caught up in the hype. It would be really easy to downplay this outpouring due to what it was lacking, Brother Doug. After all, there wasn't a preacher that got up and preached Acts 2.38. There wasn't any testimonies of this revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Although I prayed for revelation while I was there. So as apostolics, we can sit back and justify our rejection due to insufficient truth. 
But God convicted my spirit because I dismissed their hunger. And here's the truth. As an apostolic church, we stand condemned that a world is so hungry and we are so full. Full of ourselves, full of our schedules, full of our Pentecostal preferences, full of our self-justification for why a lost world goes to hell in a handbasket while we sit uninterested. But when will we realize that right doctrine will not excuse wrong desire? We have the greatest message this world will ever encounter. And instead of passionately pursuing a hungry world, do we sit back like the Pharisees who judge the authentic work of Jesus Christ? What good is Acts 2.38? If our spirits are too full of self that we can't share it. Who cares if we have this beautiful revelation of the name of Jesus. But we don't have a hunger for our neighbors. People came from around the country. Texas, Philadelphia, New Jersey. Folks traveled far and wide because they were starving for more. I heard a lady give a testimony. She said, I used to be in a, in a crowd of thousands of people, didn't really know nobody. They said, anybody got something to share? She said, I used to be addicted to drugs. I lost my kids. I sold my body for drugs. And I stole from my parents. But then she proclaimed in the midst of thousands of strangers. But then I found Jesus. And I've been delivered from my addiction. And I've got my kids back. And God has transformed church. We better wake up to the hungry souls that are all around us. You better get an appetite deep down in your spirit. You better find a place at an altar and say, God, I don't want to leave here until the cravings of the world are replaced for the cravings of the things of God. Would you clap your hands and stand to your feet tonight? all across this place if the musicians will help me tonight as I close I want to ask you something something I've been asking myself all week trust me I'm not just preaching to you I'm preaching to Tyler how hungry are you and we're going to sit in this moment for a minute How hungry are you? You want to know how you can gauge? See how easy it is for your flesh to push you away from this altar. See how easy it is for your flesh to say, you know, two and a half minutes of prayer was really enough. I saw a Facebook live from Brother Doug Kleindens. He did a Facebook live. He said, this has gone on for an hour from the altar call. People won't leave. They're so hungry for God. The gifts of the Spirit were in operation. You know what that that requires? Hunger. And time. Now I've grown up in this so I can say it. 
we're too comfortable in our apostolic Pentecostal environment that we can come to the front, raise our hands, and walk out the back door, and we're just not hungry. You might say, listen, preacher, I don't care. I'm not interested. That's fine. I, I pray that God would stir you. You don't have to stay. But I... I I want God to do something in this church and in this city and in my family, with my friends. I want God to move. And we're so caught up with ourselves. When's this guy going to shut up? I'm hungry. Literally. I'd rather go to Applebee's and have apostolic revival. So tonight... As I close, I want to read Revelation 3 and I'm done. Starting in verse 15. I know your works, you are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, this is the crucial one. I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. I'm not hungry, I'm good. realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Their abundance led to their apathy. And they were too filled with themselves, too preoccupied with their schedules, too caught up in what they had going on, that when God showed up, they weren't hungry enough. And so tonight, with no hype, I'm not going to beg you, but I'm going to ask, if the Lord is tugging on your heart at all, I want you to respond in faith and come to this altar. You don't have to be demonstrative. But why don't you respond to the hunger pains of the Spirit tonight? Why don't you let God do something? Come on, all across this place, let's make it a house of prayer. Let's commit ourselves to the kingdom of God tonight. Come on, let's acquire taste buds for the eternal. In the name of Jesus, all across this place, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be willing to respond to the word of the Lord. Come on, are you hungry? Are you satisfied with where you at? Or do you believe there's another dimension? Are you satisfied with living lukewarm? Or do you believe that God wants to catch you on fire? Come on, respond to the call of God tonight. Respond to those hunger pains in the name of Jesus.